It's your Wednesday, Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a good day out there today. Nice, unseasonably nice weather. I don't know if this is unseasonable or not, I guess. Um, I don't track day by day, week by week, um, what it's supposed to be like. But it feels like it's been pretty nice here this October. And it's supposed to be pretty nice for the foreseeable future as well. I have been looking ahead to the slightly extended forecast just because I've got young kids trick-or-treating. And trick-or-treating, the Halloween looks like it's going to be a very pleasant um, evening for that. So anyway, not here to talk about the weather, just saying, hey, let's appreciate this right now because it's not always this good this time of year. Appreciate what we've got. Um, speaking of appreciating what we got, we'll get to the uh, the Timberwolves here in a little bit with Chris Hine from the Star Tribune, taking a good look at kind of where that team stands right now after a 2-2 two and two start. Chris and I did not get into Popeye's Gate, but I will get into that a little bit as well. And we will uh, we, we've unraveled the mystery of exactly where Hugh McCutcheon, Gophers volleyball coach, is going after the end of this season. He announced that he is stepping down as head coach after this year, and the mystery will not lead him very far at all from where he is right now. So we'll get to that at the end of the show. First, though, what did I miss? Got to talk about the Wild because we've been pretty hard on them at the start of this season, um, and rightfully so. I mean, they gave up 20 goals in their first three games, all of them at home, all of them losses, but they've started to figure things out a little bit more. Um, you know, got had three points in their last two games before they played at Montreal on Tuesday night, and then perhaps played... I shouldn't even say perhaps. They definitely played their best or most complete, their most committed game of the season in winning 3-1. to one. Had an empty net goal in that game to clinch it late. But I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched at least the entirety of the third period. Um, a little bit of the bits and pieces along the way, the highlights. But it looked to me like essentially the perfect game at the perfect time for this team. They needed to know... They can win like this, which which is, you know, those tight checking, you know, 2-1, 3-1, 3-2 type of games. You don't want to play those all the time. You're not going to play those all the time. I don't think that's really the style necessarily of this team. This is more of a free-flowing, free-skating team. But this team also has to be committed in its own defensive end, has to be able to, you know, win multiple ways. And so, you know, Sarah McClellan, I talked about that twice, um, both before the season started and earlier this week about how we both thought that they would win or at least try to win more like they did Tuesday um, at various points this season, just knowing they didn't have the firepower from Kevin Fiala from that trade, knowing that they're down, you know, Jordan Greenway right now, um, you know, a good two-way player, but someone who made up part of a line that was pretty successful both offensively and defensively, you know, and she was of the mind that some of that might be more offensive puck possession, and they, they certainly had a good deal of that, especially in the first two periods, but being able to lock a team down in the third period, especially a, you know, a, a quality or a team with potential to get after you offensively like Montreal, especially a team that's been very good on its home ice, to be able to lock them down, um, you know, give up not too many chances, but also be able to depend on Mark Andre Fleury when the chances come. He stopped a penalty shot last night. Um, he made a bunch of other important saves in the middle of the game. A few of them in the third period, but really in the third period, um, a lot of it came down to defensive execution, to 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 defensive zone play, 
And just being able to win like that, now getting five points in their last three games after getting zero in the first three, feeling a lot more like the team we might have expected to see at the start of the year, and certainly that head coach Dean Evason wants to see. Here was Dean Evason after the game. Well, we played more like, like you know, we play, right? And we talked to the guys about embracing the way that we played here tonight. We, that's how we have to play, a gritty, determined game. And... Um, you know, against a, a real good offensive hockey club that put a lot of pressure on us, and we we did a lot of good things um, in the areas that we haven't done good things as far as defending and uh, managing the puck very well tonight. And um, you know, obviously, Flower was good, but uh, but we did a lot of good things defensively as well. So yeah, just. One game, of course, but probably some things they can take out of this game going forward. Being rewarded for this kind of effort, this kind of game is important. Um, seeing, you know, seeing that you can win like this is important. Knowing you have that in your bag, that is important always in, in situations like this. Knowing that you're not just going to have to beat teams 5-4, that you can depend um, more on Mark andre Fleury now. He's given up, I believe, eight goals in the last three, which is much better um, than the way he started this season and really helped them win this game. So maybe things are starting to smooth out a little bit for that team. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, everything's subject to change, but felt like that was the important game, the right kind of game at the right moment for the Wild. And uh, it was nice to see if you are a Wild fan and certainly if you are on the Wild bench. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Let's bring in Chris Hine right now, covers the Timberwolves for the Star Tribune. Um, did not get booed off the court on Monday. Um, he wrote a nice game story and will write a nice advance that you'll see Wednesday in your Star Tribune and on startribune.com in advance of the next chance to play the Spurs. But my goodness, Chris, um, you know, this team is two and two right now. So the, the sky is not falling, but the way that they've lost these two games at home to Utah and San Antonio, ostensibly two teams that are rebuilding, although they're they're both playing reasonably well early in the season. Um, a little bit troubling and leading to, you know, like I said, getting booed off the court. As you see it, what's uh, wh- what did you see in particular on on Monday that uh, that was worthy of the fans' ire? You know, I think fans just in general are you sensed a, a, a effort factor that just wasn't there. Um, you saw a San Antonio team that came out better prepared, um, seemed to be trying harder than the Wolves were. Now, the Wolves were on a tail end of a back-to-back, but you know, in, in a year in which you're trying to compete for a top-four seed in the Western Conference, right. you can't let the fact that you were on a back-to-back be, be, a, be a crutch. Um, and you know, two familiar problems keep popping up for this team from last year, even though you know Rudy Gobert is on the team this year. And one of them that I wrote about for Wednesday's paper, which is on their their awful transition defense, 
um, and defensive rebounding, which still hasn't really gotten all that much better, even with Rudy Gobert having a strong start to the season on that end. So you're seeing familiar problems that you thought should have been, could have been addressed. Um, so I understand the fans' frustration. Uh, you're seeing kind of exactly where they left off at the end of last season, even with a different roster out there. Well, let's talk about the 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 you know opponent fast break because I was looking at before we started recording, um, Timberwolves 29th out of 30 teams right now in um, transition defense, essentially allowing 21 opponent. Uh, fast break points per game. And I believe it was 24 against San Antonio. And all of those were in the first three quarters where San Antonio built that 30 point plus lead. Um, And that's an effort thing to a certain degree. I'm sure there's other factors as well, but you know, from your perspective, as you're watching it and as you, you know, as players have addressed it, Chris Finch has addressed it. That's mostly effort or are there things that they can do differently in terms of, you know, scheme stuff like that, or is that just an effort thing? I think it's I think it's a little bit of both. I think one, it starts with shot selection. Um, anytime you make a basket, first of all, it's going to be harder to run on you. Um, so you can do yourself a favor by getting good shots and you know making more of them. Um, that's number one. Shot selection also just you know guys could be out of position or, or whatnot. The offense might be kind of out of whack. And before you know it, it's a long rebound and the team's going the other way. They're already at a disadvantage in transition defense because they have two bigs on the floor at a right. time. So that's already a little bit behind the eight ball. And teams are going to try to attack this um, every night against them. Rudy Gobert was talking last night about some of the other things that they need to do defensively which is better communication first and foremost people just calling out identifying the ball somebody you know dropping to the rim um you know it's it seems like they're having issues trying to figure out who's gonna go where once they get down to the other end of the floor so they have to clean that up in coming days here um you know, but at the end of the day, I do think transition defense is more about effort than and hustle than, than anything else. Um, that's just my personal two cents. Um, and, and the fast break points, I don't think that even the fast break points tell the full story of how bad a transition defense can be because oftentimes teams aren't just scoring on the fast break against bad transition defense you're getting cross bad cross matches and so after you know a couple of passes after the quote-unquote fast break has died down teams are still able to get great looks open shots wherever they want even if it doesn't count as a fast break bucket sure um, in the official stats so that shows up more than just the fast break points that you see uh, listed on nba.com yeah, that's an interesting point too. The the point you made about matchups and stuff, and I'm sure some of that. Again, we're four games into the season, and like you said, they're playing with two bigs. Carl Anthony Towns, when he's on the floor with Rudy Gobert, is playing power forward, a much different position than center. I'm sure his responsibilities, to a degree, on transition defense are different than what he's used to. How, how much of it do you think is Towns trying to figure out where to go as opposed to anybody else? You know, I, th- I think that's part of it too. You know, I think it's, I think especially on, in all aspects, I think, I think Carl is adjusting to maybe different responsibilities, different places that he needs to be. 
at given times because you know he's been playing the five for so long so he has such a an ingrained uh sense of where he needs to be on both ends of the floor so i think that's true but as ant said last night you know most of the transition defense when the starters are out there it's going to fall on him Delo, and Jaden to to hold hold the ground until the, the big ball. guys yeah. can, right until the big guys can get down the floor you know that's that's who it really falls on at the at the end of the day so the other piece that you just talked about and what I was uh, looking at before we started recording as well is is the is the defensive rebounding the second chance points those go hand in hand generally and that was like you said right where they left off in that Memphis series that was a, essentially what did them in against Memphis when Memphis was able to make a lot of those comebacks against the Wolves a lot of it was damage done on the offensive glass on second chance points and right now the Wolves 24th in the NBA in defensive rebound percentage and still giving up a lot of second chance points, giving up uh, almost 20 second chance points per game, 26th out of 30 teams in the league right now. Um, and again, Rudy Gobert is not a, you know, is not going to do everything, but I think if the assumption was he was going to help a lot with that, he's essentially doing his part largely. It seems because he's got a lot of defensive rebounds, uh, it's kind of everybody else who who needs to clean that area up, is it not? Yeah, it is. Uh, he'll tell you he had a rough night last night on the boards, but the first three games he did not. Um, and you know, one of the one of the things that I just noticed over and over again with this team dating back to last season, um, and Chris Finch even talked about it last night when we asked him about it. They don't look for the ball. When, when a shot goes up or yeah, I'm sorry, they look, they only look at the ball when a shot goes up. They're not looking to see who's coming in for an offensive rebound. They're only eyes glued to the ball. So as somebody who was a very bad basketball player myself back in high school, <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that I did well was offensive rebound because you could take advantage of people who are only looking at the ball and you can find ways to get around them and get inside and, and be able to fight them better. If they're not looking back at you and specifically trying to box you out of the, of the rebound. And that happens all the time with this team. And that's what Chris Finch was talking about last night. Um, everybody just kind of stands, looks up at the ball. And then before you know it, guys are, are zooming by them on their left or their right to come in and contest for an offensive rebound. It is one of the worst habits I think this team has. Um, and it's, it's very easily, I think can be easily fixed. They just have to focus on it better. Like it's not that hard to, to say, okay, a uh, shot goes up. All right. You got to you know make sure you have one eye on, on who's coming in for the offensive rebound behind you and get a body on them. Like, you do that and, and you're halfway home to getting a, a defensive rebound. And it, it, it seems like it should be something that is more easily corrected than it is right now. I agree with that. And one, one other piece of this I want to talk about before we think about, you know, steps forward um, in the Utah game where, you know, Utah beats them in overtime, the Wolves, you know, furious rally to force overtime in, in the last two minutes, but Utah gets them in overtime a lot of the damage utah did in that fourth quarter was spreading them out and getting good three-point looks thing for the game they shot 50 of them and made 20 um it seems like that's how teams that are 
that have shooters are going to attack them. I think they knew that going into the year, if they're going to have towns and go bear on the floor at the same time, teams are kind of going to try to spread them out, make them run around and, and, you know, put some small ball lineups and some shooters on the court. Um, that was kind of alarming to watch right away because they get, they haven't faced a lot of great teams yet as they start to face better teams. That feels like it could be become even more of an issue. Uh, how, how do you see that kind of playing out and how do they get better at that? Or does it necessitate kind of some creativity with lineups in different situations? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that, how that gets better. Um, you know, again, I think they're still getting used to a new defensive scheme when Rudy Gobert is on the floor. So, you know, that might take some time to, to really get used to. And, and especially given that they played a completely different way last season on the defensive end. So, with with some of that, I'm I'm more willing to say that can take some time as opposed to the two subjects we were just talking about, yeah. which I don't think you need that much time to to really correct. Um, but I am willing to to kind of give them a pass on trying to figure out how to play defense this early on in the season. Um, same same goes for how they how they've looked offensively. You know, look, this team last year even uh, took took several weeks right. before the offense really clicked in. So, you know, we've seen that before where if you, if you give them time, they can, they can find a chemistry and find a groove. So those areas I'm willing to, to see how that plays out, but they have more immediate, bigger problems that seem more solvable if they, if they just amp up their intensity level on both, on, on both of those areas. Yeah, and it's a good point that you make about it. these things take time. They started out four and nine last season, and you know they're two and two, so it's not like there's you know these major alarm bells going off. I think a lot of what we're talking about is based on expectations and you know the possibility for how good this team could be versus just you know a curiosity about a team like they had last season when they started to get good. Um, you know that said, some of the things that we were wondering about going into the season have looked a little bit shaky and I'm still wondering how you know how the packing order is, is sorting out when you've got you know at least four guys in the starting lineup and even sometimes Jaden McDaniels who are you know able to score and you know have that have that identity about them. I know Gobert is primarily a defensive player but he you know he brings an offensive uh, you know bit to his game especially you know down close to the rim. Um how do you feel like that piece of it whether it's leadership whether it's kind of the pecking order and who's, who's deciding how they're going to kind of, you know, who's, who's taking over at certain points or who's kind of running the show, what, what they want to get into, who they want to get involved. It feels like it's been a little bit clunky so far, maybe, maybe expectedly so, but I, I I'm hoping to see that be a little bit smoother as time goes on. Yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely clunky. And, and you see that sometimes, or at least, you know, it shows up kind of in their late game offense where, you know, it becomes less free-flowing movement and more iso ball. I'm going to try to just get a bucket here in this situation. Um, that's where it really shows up. And that's been a, an issue in some of these close games they've had. They just, you know, it's it's okay. The offense is broken down. I'm just going to dribble around or if you're Carl, make a move in the post or something and try to just get a bucket myself. Because – I'm such a good individual player that I can still operate outside of the framework of the offense and score for us. So there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of, you know, when, when you're, when you're starting a lineup, there's, 
a sense of you still have to get your numbers i think yeah and i think i think that's kind of where they may be operating as well um you know ant referred to to finch tongue of they need to be more selfless out there yeah on the floor um so that was a big problem for them last year too I, again it's very similar to what happened in the early part of the season last year and again it, it eventually did click in and they, and they started playing a lot better so you know, with with kind of Rudy Gobert in the mix, you, you kind of have to relearn how to play the offense around that. So, again, that that seems like there's more of a learning curve as they as they enter the season here than than again other things that should be taken care of. Who has a bigger hill to climb? Do you think here is it is it Chris Finch figuring out how these pieces fit together, or is it the players themselves trying to, you know? do what he wants them to do he can only he can only you know do so much in terms of you know setting up schemes and and showing them how he wants them to play who do you think the burden falls on more here to kind of get this thing where they want to see it uh you know i think it's i think it's fairly 50 50 um you know i think i think with finch he has shown an ability to adapt schemes and and kind of structures around the personnel and what they do well. He did that last year. So, you know, I think as you get more more games under their belt, more time on the floor, I think, you know, maybe you'll see him make some make some changes and adjustments. Um, but, you know, the players also have to be willing to, you know, D'Lo said it before the season. Rudy said it before the season. Ant was talking about it last night. Some of these guys are just going to have to maybe sacrifice their numbers on a given night, you know, for whatever matchups may be working for whatever might be happening offensively, you know, somebody's going to have to be okay with maybe not reaching double figures or only getting like 11 or 12 points. And in the name of the team winning, instead of, you know, trying to play ISO ball because you're stuck at seven points late in the third quarter and you want to get to 15 by the end of the night or something like that, you know, like they're going to have to be okay with this. And, you know, you saw it the other night, like, you know, uh, D'Lo, I think only had like six or seven points in that Oklahoma city win on Sunday night. Right. But you know, that was, he sat on the bench in the fourth quarter in the name of the, the bench unit going out and dominating. So they didn't need to bring him back in. You know, that was a case where he wasn't on the floor, so he couldn't physically, you know, score, but you need more of that in the, in the half court offense when they're on the floor, you need more. Okay. Carl's got it going tonight. He's got a good matchup. We're gonna we're gonna focus around him. Or Ant's really good at driving to the basket. Uh, and that's not to say that Delo specifically needs to needs to be more selfless. They all do. But that's what I'm talking about. Is is there there might be nights where you just aren't filling it up on the stat sheet, but somebody else is, and you got to let them go because that's working. Yeah, and that's interesting because you know the person who seems most. Um, you know, it just in terms of where he is in his career, it seems like Towns is in the best position to be deferential. And I think he kind of has been uh, so far in a lot of the games this season, but maybe to a fault to a certain degree, because he's still their best offensive player. He's still their most efficient offensive player. But then you look at Edwards, who's, you know, year three, still trying to ascend, still, you know, playing for his next contract, playing to, to be, you know, the, the superstar in the league. You've got D'Lo in a contract year. You've got Gobert, who you know isn't necessarily going to demand the ball all the time, but is still trying to make an impression after the trade. 
And McDaniels maybe to a lesser degree because he's more of a two-way player. But in terms of the guys who you know you think of as scorers or kind of the core of this of this year's team, Town seems like he's in the best position to defer. But I don't want him deferring as much as maybe those other guys. Yeah, and I think that shows up too in, in the number of threes he's taken this year, which haven't been a haven't been a lot, or at least it fluctuates so far, which has kind of been the pattern for his career. They want him to take more three point shots. They want him to be a little more selfish along the three point. He's a 40% three point shooter. Right. Uh, you know, so I, I, that could be one of their most effective offensive weapons is him uh, hoisting up more threes uh, on a given night than, than he is. Um, so I think you see that there. I, I think he's done a, I think one of the things he's done well is he's been focused on trying to make the combination of him and Rudy work. And I think you see some, you've seen some sparks of that. Um, early on where they seem to have some chemistry together on the offensive end. Carl has done a decent job finding Rudy in, in certain matchups and in on certain nights so far. So I think, I think that's been going okay so far for them, but I, I think ultimately they need him to shoot more threes. If, that, if he's going to be more, more selfish, if there's one player that could stand to be a little more selfish, right. it's, it's Carl in that specific area, because I think that is something that can't help the team overall. Yeah, I think so too. And just it's probably one of those areas where it's a little bit of adjustment because if he's used to playing the five, he's probably getting a lot of matchups where he's, you know, the, the dragging the center out to the three point line is a little easier than dragging a, you know, a small ball four who's maybe a little bit more adept at getting out there. So I think that's going to be a work in progress for him as well. Um, I'll save my, uh, I'll save my uh, D'Lo needs to come off the bench hot take for. A different time. We'll give them more than four games uh, before I uh, before I get too deep into my uh, too deep into my bag on on that. We'll 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 end it here, but we'll see how things go the rest of the week. San Antonio on Wednesday, a really bad looking Lakers team on Friday. So we'll see how that goes as well. Um, Chris, any final thoughts before we go? You know, I I don't want to say it's going to take time, but I I do think that there are, again, to reiterate, there are some areas where I think it is going to take time, A. uh, But I I think you could – this was one of the scenarios you could see playing out early in the season where things just weren't clicking, old habits were showing up, and all of a sudden you're getting boos at Target Center. This was not out of – this was not out of the – range of outcomes for this early part of the season, especially when you're playing a perceived soft schedule that you should be, you know, beating up on a nightly basis. Um, so to, to have it start this way is not, is not surprising for me, but it, it is a little bit stunning that, that some of these habits that seem like they should be cleaned up are, are popping back up again. Indeed. Well, we'll see if they can, smooth those out and how long it takes and really whose whose team this becomes because I think to a certain degree I don't think there's like I don't I wouldn't call it a leadership void but I still thinking they look I still think they're looking for a packing order and maybe again like you said that takes some time. Chris, good stuff. We'll follow all of your work. Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, Mike. As a postscript to that conversation with Chris Hein, which I thought was really good. Chris does a great job of course covering this team. Um, it was kind of a viral thing that went went on Tuesday after Chris and I talked, but 
Um, a few different accounts posted Carl Anthony Towns after the Spurs game talking about Anthony Edwards' ways he can help him. And he started talking about Anthony Edwards' diet, about how he is eating. Um, let's play the clip from Cat right now. Maybe I could do a better job of teaching him how to take care of his body, you know, diet and everything. So that'll be on me. Um, I know y'all think it's funny up here when he talks about Popeyes, you know, that that doesn't that doesn't make me happy to hear, you know, we're high level athletes, so um I I didn't love that. I I think um I think there's a I think if if Cat has an issue with the way Anthony Edwards is taking care of his body, you probably don't want to air that grievance in a reporter setting. I mean, we love it. We love it when people say things like that. It gives us them something to talk about. But I don't think that's the right venue to bring that up. Bring that up to to Ant privately. That's fine. I mean, he pre- maybe he has. He maybe he has. I don't know. Um, but I don't think you should also do it publicly in that vein because then it creates this idea of you know even if he's trying to be a little bit funny talking about Popeyes things like that. And Ant has been no stranger to loving Popeyes chicken. He's even done some I think promotional work for them. Um, even if he's just kind of, you know, kidding or kind of try, trying to trying to make it humorous, it, it, it doesn't rub me the right way. It makes me think there's something there or that the team chemistry, whatever it is at the early part of the season, is there something, you know, that they're that they're getting on Ant about that they want more from him? And if they do, do that behind closed doors. Uh, don't do it in this kind of passive-aggressive, through-the-media kind of way. So I, I'll be interested to see how, you know, how or if this this becomes more of a thing as as time goes on or if it's just a one-off one day throwaway line i don't know but i will watch wednesday's game slightly differently with a rematch with the spurs slightly differently watching those two on the court watching the dynamic watching ant listening to ant post game hearing what he might have to say about this so just keep an eye on it i don't know might not be that big of a deal we like to blow things out of proportion as People will say even Cat like to blame the media for having fun with uh, with Ant and and all the and all of his fast food stuff. So we will see, um, but just keep an eye on that. Remi- remi- remember that if things get better or things get worse as the season goes along. Let's finish with the cooler. Hugh McCutcheon staying with the Gophers athletic department. Um, you know he announced his. That he was stepping down uh, just last, was last week, I think, last Sunday. Uh, he is going to be an assistant athletic director for the Gophers, a brand new uh, position that's been created for him. Um, he's going to be into the newly created role of assistant AD slash sport development coach. Sounds like a great um, use of Hugh McCutcheon's talent. Sounds like a great role for him as kind of a coach mentor kind of role, helping helping a lot of different coaches at the U. To, uh, to kind of add value in that way. so And probably good for him, too. Maybe a different phase of his life, ready to slow down a little bit, not have to travel as much, things like that. So he has earned that right to, to do that. And uh, so good for him, good for the Gophers to carve out that role. Um, you know, kind of strange that they did all the, you know, left it kind of open-ended, like what was he going to do? I'm sure this was in the works long before he announced that he was stepping down. But maybe... Him stepping down allowed us to give him his due, and now we're finding out what he is going to be up to in the next chapter of his life. But congrats to him. Congrats to the Gophers. Sounds like it should be an interesting partnership and mystery, at the very least, solved. 
that will do it for today. Randy Johnson should be on Thursday show talking Gophers football. Also pose an interesting question to Thomas Rush from the Gophers football team during the weekly media access session on Tuesday. You'll hear from him on Thursday's show as well as the Gophers try to snap that three-game losing streak this Saturday against Rutgers. Thank you all for listening again. I'm Michael Rand, back at it again on Thursday. 